Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones, and you've been warned. Get to the church, Brian! Get to the church, Brian! Go! Now! What's funny to me is that sounds so much like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh my gosh. Fiverr for it. the win, baby. I know. Back in the day when Fiverr was only $5. Back in the day where we spent $5 on the podcast. Woo! We were Ooh. big spenders. We were. We were. We we actually have not dropped a dime on this podcast uh, in its improvement. We just found old sound bites again. We did. <laughs> I got this got the sound uh, machine back working. Yeah, um, those those will do. The old ones, they're fine. No one gets sick of those. Everybody loves our sound. They're bikes. classics. Everyone they're cl- likes oh. the classics. Ooh, I like what you did there. That's pretty good. They're classics. So, uh, hey, I got to give you uh, the latest update on uh, Oh, brought to brought this podcast is brought to us by You're not in good hands if you're with Allstate. <laughs> Make sure you leave them before you have to use them. All right, so give me the drama, the unfolding saga. Okay, so to cap, to recap for everybody, we had a massive hailstorm May 19th, and uh, everyone's roof in this part of Plano trashed. Like, mm-hmm. they're gone. They're not recoverable. They're, they're totally just destroyed by the hailstorm. So insurance has to, to fix it. And um, every home around here like almost all of them have a, a new roof now. Like my neighbor's getting his today. Yeah. Um, we were driving the, the kids to school this morning. This other one, they're getting their new roof today. It's like, okay, so I'm with there, all. There are actually insurance companies. I, I know of one in particular that a family member's involved in. He said, we're actually pulling all of our agents out of Texas. Oh, That's really? crazy. Yeah. Well, same thing's happening in California. Movement? Yeah. Uh, State Farms leaving California because of all the wildfires and the fact Mm -hmm. that no one will fix the problem, which is all the uh, electric wiring that's causing a lot of the wildfires. Um, There was someone else who's pulling out of California, too. 
So, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, every insurance company has got to look and figure out what they got to do. But yeah. when you have a policy, you have to actually pay up on it and, um, and fix whatever you said you were going to fix. That's the law. And all state has been absolutely atrocious mm-hmm. trying to pretend like mine is the only roof that didn't get destroyed. Right. And you got to understand, we're not talking like, oh, it's bad. No, it's destroyed. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. gone. It's like, dude, if we get rained on, I'm going to have a million leaks coming through yeah. my roof. Like, yeah, it's it's bad. And um, in fact, they've even covered one of my neighbor's roofs. Cause I was talking to him. He's like, yeah, man, my insurance company, we had to fight him every step of the way. And I'm like, oh, well, at least you're getting your roof on. He's like, yeah. And I go, who are you with? He goes, all state. I go, mm, yeah, I, wow. I'm still fighting with him. So you get a policy that covers a hailstorm. And then when said hailstorm happens, uh, uh, we're, uh, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you just got to replace these uh, few shingles right here. It's like, no, the whole roof is trash, dude. It's totally trash. Yeah. So anyway, I I've, like literally I have threatened them with everything from a lawsuit to a public adjuster to getting a, an appraisal, um, every threat. And I even told them, I go, look, I've had a podcast for 12 years. I've made you guys a weekly feature on it. That's how bad you are. Right. Nothing moves the needle with them. Nothing. They don't care. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't when have I had to care, you're, you're, you're a fart in the wind to drop. In the oh, totally. Right. So I, I got the, uh, the manager on the phone. And I'm like, uh, what's your license number? She's like, what? I'm like, what's your license number? She's like, uh, I don't, I don't remember. I'm like, dude, I've been freaking licensed for 20 years. Zero C nine, seven, one, five. Oh, I know my license number inside and out. Like, how could you not know your license? I'm like, don't yeah. worry about it. I'll find you on the internet. So I looked her up on the internet, got her license number. Cause I'm like, I'm naming you guys in my complaint to the Texas department of insurance. I'm going to give them your names and license numbers. Because you guys are handling this in what's called bad faith. You're you're committing insurance fraud. And I want, I want nothing's gonna happen. But I'm like, hey, if enough people complain, then maybe Texas will actually investigate and get you guys to clean up your act. So all that's happened. So they finally go, okay, uh, you've been approved for a reinspection, which means they gotta send someone back out to inspect the roof. Because the first one, the literally the first person they sent out. She goes, uh, I'm new and I'm too scared to get on the roof. Her whole job oh my is God. to inspect the roof, the entire job. Oh man. And she's like, I'm too scared to get on there. It's like, fix my roof, <laughs> you know? Wow. So, um, so, I mean, it's been a, a battle. This is, I mean, here we are end of August, been dealing with this since May. And so they finally approved me for a reinspection and then it gets handed off to yet another adjuster. And so he calls me up and he's like, Hey, yeah, I just got your, your claim. Just want to let you know, I'm working on it. I'm like, okay, so are you going to schedule my reinspection? He's like, I don't know anything about a reinspection. I'm like, I just got approved. And so he's started, all he's done is sit on my claim. Hasn't done a thing. It's been a couple of weeks and I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm done. And so finally just forced them to get the reinspection done, which is supposed to happen. I don't know in the next week or so. How'd you and hopefully them? that'll get to uh, force them. What'd you do? Dude. I, I so I pulled in the, uh, the agent who I've still, the agent won't call me back my agent and the lady in the office goes, well, I'm the director of operations. Hey, he doesn't actually call anybody. I'm like, Okay, well, he's going to get named in the complaint too. <laughs> I'm, yeah. like, I'm done with all you people. <laughs> like this whole thing's a joke, man. 
They're all just a joke. So again, it just comes back to if you're with Allstate or if any of your parishioners are with Allstate, I would encourage you all to leave before you have to use them. And you had the same experience, but with State Farm, just being jerks. I did. I did. And public adjuster, that is the best advice I can give any of you church planners out there. It costs you more, right? Because you got to pay them like 10% or something. Yeah, you pay them a percentage and it's anywhere from 10 to 25 Wow. So, and, and if it's 25% of your claim, um, it's like a lawyer fee, right? Like we, that's a lot. X it's a lot. But if you consider that your, your adjuster is going to give you like a hundred thousand, you know, uh, to cover damage and I'm just throwing a hundred out because that's an easy number to work with. But if the public adjuster and they do can get you say two and a half or 300,000, which is normally what they do, they get you 2.5 or three times as much. Like effortlessly, no drama, quick. Like, I'll never forget when I called that guy on a Friday. He said, uh, I'll have the guy in um, in your living room on Monday or Tuesday. You'll have the check in the bank on Thursday. And it was. It was done. It was just over. And I was like, all right. So I wonder why is- insurance companies finally listen to the public adjuster. Is it because it's an independent third party and they're like, we're screwed. Yeah, and, we know and, we have to do this. Yeah. And the the public adjuster knowledge is power. He knows everything. He knows all the tricks. He knows legally right. what you're entitled to. Which is what Jared is, by the way. He's a public right. adjuster. Right. Right. That's why he knows uh, everything that I'm supposed to get. From that's it. That's it. So it's really good to have a I'm surprised he didn't just hire Jared because you'll get. Well, I hired him, but Jared. he's he's playing the role of the roofer. So he's like, I can't all of a sudden put on a different hat and go, oh, I'm the public adjuster. Okay. Because he's playing the role of the roofer. But he goes, if we have to go that way, I got friends who, you know, will hire and do that. There's not that many of them out there, um, at least not in SoCal where I'm at. Um, There's a few guys. They all know each other. And when the insurance company sees them coming, they're like, oh, crap. They do not want you to know about these guys. So if you have a big, I'm not talking auto insurance, but if you have flood damage, like a public adjuster changed my life. That literally yep. changed my life. So church planner out there, you you got too much stuff going on. I know guys that you're like, hey, this is not a home improvement podcast. This is a church planner podcast. This is what we call smack talk, or we just kind of talk about whatever's going on in our lives. And uh, Pete has promised them he will trash them. Uh, it's like when you leave us a two or three star review and say, these guys just talked about insurance for the <laughs> first the 15 minutes. Days, the you, good old days. You would leave us a two star review and we yeah. would hound you on the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's another failed church planner. Look at that. Yeah, two stars because yeah, he doesn't yeah. like smack dog. Yeah, you 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 became you became our sponsor. This uh, this podcast brought to you by I remember uh, there was one, uh, and we we actually became uh, close to one of his uh, co-planners, and uh, for years. But uh, yeah, he he left us. I think it was a three or four star. We hounded that guy, and then he became our friend. And normally, people normally if we hounded people, they'd come back and go, you know, because it it was good natured ribbing. It it wasn't it wasn't like uh, serious hate. It was just. We just thought we were funny. Well, we are funny. Yeah. I and mean, if you don't like the podcast, we'll give you your money back. That's right. It used to say that at the end. I don't know if it's still, does it still say that? I have no idea. 
Uh, who knows? We used to spend money. We used to care. All right. Well, hey, today's topic, should we get into it? I have no smack. Wait, here we go. You, you know, we got to do this. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's just get down to the nitty-gritty. Yes, indeed. Let's. Well, the topic today is, and I come to you with a heavy heart on this. We We want to talk today about the difficulty. Why is church planning harder today than it was 10 years ago? <clears throat> I'll tell you this, church planning has always been hard. It's never been easy. It's never been the shake and bake. It's never been throw a logo outside of a community hall and get on the internet, you know, uh, wait for them to come like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. There's even if you did what we would have called back in the day, the Nelson Searcy model, which was like heavy marketing and, you know, a little bit of pizzazz, um, do this and do that. You know, and it was kind of like the the five easy dance steps to us past the 2000 or 200 person barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Then then once you had your successful big launch day, then you would. Um, you would go to, uh, passing the 150, he would say, Hey, you know, half of those won't stay, but, um, but then, you know, so it was like this hype train and then you would pass the 150 and he had all these webinars and paid courses you could go through to, to, to learn that, you know, how to get to the, to, he would talk about the barriers, the growth barriers. And I, I watch his stuff and, you know, no, no, um, no personal animosity, on Nelson. I'm sure he's a great guy. I just did not um agree with hardly anything he would say. And so in in one sense, we started this podcast. I, I remember back when he was in his heyday back when we started. And we're like, we're gonna tell the other side of the story here. We're we're gonna be the anti uh you know philosophy of of Nelson Searcy. And ours was always, hey, it's hard. And we used to say like, Hey, smile, stupid. It's supposed to suck, right? Like you're, you're going to, you know, 90% of church planners out there. Um, we're going to end up having churches less than 85 people. And we would just tell the truth. We we're like, Hey, look, um, that's the statistics. So 10% of you might get over and above that. But the 90% of you listening, you're going to be bivocational. This is never going to pay your way. Um, yada, 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 do it for love of the game. Do it for Christ. Do you love me? Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, like go into it for mission, reach the ones no one's reaching. Don't go into it because it's easy and it's a future paycheck for you. And so that was kind of our deal. Like we were really hoping to spawn missionaries, like people that were like, Hey, I am going on mission and I will, I will be, I interviewed a guy yesterday in Australia who had his own irrigation business and he's been 30 years since he uh, did that and does not look back. He's, he's probably close to 60, but he was like, I haven't looked back. He's like, if I had to choose, I would for sure be Bibo um, for the rest of my life. And, and for him, that was easier. He was like, once I got Bibo and got like my irrigation business going. He was like, I started hiring other people. I started discipling men that were working with me. I'd meet a, a guy, help him like homeless people get off the street. He's like, it was the best ministry ever and really helped me connect and disciple and um, yada, yada. But all that to say, that is a different gig. And he even said, he looked back and said, I don't even know what I did 
in a 40 hour work week. He's like, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but he's like, I look back on my 40 hours a week for, I don't even know what I did. I could, I could fill time. I'm sure I filled a lot of time with stuff that I need to be doing, but he's like, you know, I, I wonder now because, you know, he's Bibo, he, he's got a team, he's doing all the stuff we talk about in plantology. Chee-chee! See what I did? We got to add that sound effect back. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. I just remember us saying cha-ching. You know, we were too cheap to get a sound effect. We might have been. We might have yeah, been. I think we just said it. Cha-ching. But anyways, okay, we're post-COVID. I think that church planning was hard pre-COVID because our paradigm was not conducive to um, what needed doing. Like, I think that we actually um, had that big launch large model in our mind where the easiest thing in the world is just focus on people. So the seeds of the gospel, disciple people and watch it happen. Um, to me, that is much easier. But what makes it hard is our paradigm is, oh, no, I'm do- I'm renting this hall and I, I people aren't coming to it. And there's like 20 people here and I got 40 chairs out. And how do I, you know, do the hype train thing? Like Nelson says, I, 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 I'm not so good at that. And again, no shame on Nelson. I am not against a launch large church plant. Just statistically, I'm speaking to the other 90% of you out there. That's what this podcast is for. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny too, though, if you think about the uh, celebrity planters, you know, I can think of many that we've actually interviewed over the years. And the first one that's coming to mind, I'm not going to say his name because I don't mean this as a negative, Yeah. but like, oh, he had 700 people his first weekend and, you know, 500 of them came back in week two. And it's like, and, and what do we do? Let's put them on stage. Let's put them on stage at the next conference. Hey, all you church planners, this is what you should be gunning for. So, I mean, no wonder that's what everyone thinks church planning is supposed to be. That's who our celebrities are. Right. Well, it's funny because where I'm at is um, when I hear of a guy who gets a bunch of people on the first day, I'm happy for him. When I hear of someone getting a building, I'm happy for them. So, you know, I, I've always had to kind of say to people, I am not anti-launch large. I'm not like Pentecost was a launch large and all those people didn't come back, right? Like some of them stayed in Jerusalem, some of them didn't. And they worked with what they had and they immediately began to go smaller. They they began to work backwards. It's kind of like when you and I interviewed Rick Warren, who, in my opinion, is a major stud. Um, Talking about the dinner or when we interviewed him? We never actually oh, interviewed him on the podcast. Sorry, right? not interviewed him. Yeah, I, you're right. We never did. We never hit that status. Yeah, we, sorry. I we could never we, get him to return the call. When we when we had dinner with him for three hours, which was way more than an interview, uh, which which then we did a show about because, yeah. you know, again, we couldn't get him on the show. But, but yeah, I mean, that that was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Should we go back to him and say, hey, we're trying to decide if we should have you or Ed Stetzer? And we decided to have you. You'll come on, right? Like, that's how we should approach him. Do the ego sale. Right, right. Well, so here's the deal. Uh, why is it why is it harder post-COVID now? Because it is harder post-COVID. I don't think it's just a matter of our perception. I actually believe that when COVID hit, it, it actually exposed 
exposed. Um, I, I'm a big believer that like the internet didn't change us. There are probably ways it is changing us, but on the whole, the internet did not change us. The internet exposed what was already there, to quote Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, the reality is that um we we already had this issue, this problem, like where we had moved so far from first century. But then when the internet came, it exposed our problem. And you and I have talked about this umpteen times. Where it exposed the problem, people didn't come back. They're like, whoa, I'm just an audience. Like they realized when they stayed at home and did all the same stuff at home that it was when they physically attended church, they went, oh, I'm an audience, which was a point we made way back in Church is Zero, that if church is not interactive, why bother? I brought up the young person who says, I'm not going to church. Like, what's the point? I'm just, I'm just watching. I can do that from home. And in Church is Zero, I gave him that and said, he's got a point. You know, the only way to change that is use the spiritual gifts in church, because that is the thing that cannot um, be done from home. You need others to use your spiritual gifts. You must serve people with them. So um, if it's just one person's gift up on stage talking for 30, 40 minutes, yeah, that's just that one guy's gift you need. So let's go back. So it exposed and now we're in this place where because a, a probably a third of the church is now switched off to the idea of attending church or, or you know, what you would call the, the, the attenders perhaps um, are switched off. And, and I'm not going to say they're not real believers. Some, some people say, oh, well, they're not real believers. Hey, that's cool. That's awesome that you're the judge now. That's rad. Um, well done, you. Uh, but no, the reality is they might be slightly more on fire than you think they are. Um, years ago, Michael Frost talked about, um, prodigals and, um, exiles. He said an exile is not a prodigal. An exile isn't someone who's backsliding. An exile is someone who said, I'm, I'm actually leaving because I'm exiling myself from just sitting in a room, listening to a dude talk and call him that church. I'm exiling myself to actually go on mission with others. And that's where you started finding some of the other expressions of church that paid off, that actually started to change the conversation. Was And, and it wasn't that they were, you know, if we were at church and that guy says, I'm not coming anymore, we'd say, oh, pray for that guy. But the reality is, some of those people were just like, hey, I just got to do it different, man. It's like your holy smokes thing, right? It's just mm -hmm. people are like, there's a different way to do this, and we need to do that. So I think, though, it is harder in in a few different ways. And I, and I, I just want to list out the ways that I think it's harder. Number one, you're not dealing with the same mentality post-COVID as you were pre. Um, people are tired, man. Like, I'm tired. Like, for all you church planners out there, I'm church planning now. I am different right now. I'm tired. There was a mental toll that COVID took collectively on, on society. And we're individually feeling that. So, uh, Pete, you'll know this. Back when we planted Refuge Long Beach, I was the mobilizer. I was like, go, go, go. Let's go, everybody. Let's move. Let's find your gifts. Let's right now. Key verse of my church is come to me, all you that are weary 
and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's called the Abbey. It's a place of safety. It's a place of rest. And I am ministering to my strike team, insert core team. If, if you're, you know, we mentioned Nelson Cersei, that became really codified. We call it strike team for mission, but I am actually serving and ministering to my team. I'm a bit more like Jesus than I am like Paul right now. We'll take you on mission, but I need to pour into you. Like, that's that's a big deal, and that's new for me. That's more shepherding than I'm comfortable with, um, but it's there, and I'm a really sucky shepherd, but soul care do, is the mission. Do you hug them? Uh, no. Good. I, I, I couldn't be part of your church plan if you hugged me. You know that. I actually don't. It's funny you say that. I, I kind of went off that because of all the pervs, you know? That, oh, really? That tr- yeah, like the more, the more, and it was funny because British culture is not really a hugging culture, but there were people I hugged at my church, you know? But then what happened was uh, when we came back, um, I just kind of got used to telling people, hey, maybe best not to hug while we're in Long Beach because- I remember, you and- <laughs> I remember you wouldn't, you wouldn't shake their hand. You just do the pound. You're I like, do the oh, fist bump. Pepsi, baby. Pepsi, I'm just pounding. <laughs> yeah, that was my nursing background coming in. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to fist bump. Fist bump. So, uh, and I wouldn't, I, you know, I'd say it on the podcast, but I. I uh, no, you never it, said it at church. You never made anyone yeah, feel bad. Yeah, yeah. On the leadership team, I call it the refuge fist bump, you know. But uh, everybody got a fist bump. I don't need to be hugging, hugging anybody. I don't need to be shaking hands. So, dude, I tell you, there's some great memories from that church plant. I still remember <laughs> the dude who was uh, one of our ushers, and he'd take money out of the out of the bucket for himself. Oh, yeah. Remember, he gave oh, it to yeah. the gal, and she's like, "This is literally the same twenty dollar bill I put in the bucket because I yeah. know it has this marking on it, and yeah. that's what I put in the bucket." <laughs> yep, yep. That was how that was how uh, he got caught. And that's when it, that's when you guys are like, uh, Pete, you gotta you gotta go kick him off, <laughs> kick him off as an usher. And I'm like, we actually, you weren't there, it was somebody else. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. So I just went over there. I'm like, hey, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take care of the uh, offering today. Don't worry about it, man. <laughs> yeah, so. that was no, I I wasn't there, but I told you guys how to deal with it, and I said, uh, do not raise an accusation. Right. This no, is how you'll know he's guilty. Tell him that you're going to move. You're going to rotate. That he's going to rotate on and off. And um, that that you're going to do it, uh, you know, next week or whatever. And he flipped out. I mean, absolutely flipped out. We're like, yep, he's guilty. Yeah. <laughs> it took him a while to come back, too. But then he started coming back. Maybe because yeah. there was no accusation yeah. against him. Like, we never yeah. said, hey, we know, you're, <laughs> we know you're taking money out of the bucket when it gets passed <laughs> around. Which, to me, was always funny because, like, literally, what, 30% of the people were homeless? Yeah. Like it wasn't like there was a lot of cash going in the bucket. No, no. So like any dollar you take out, it's kind of noticeable. I mean, yeah, there was only yeah. like five bucks in there to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> At church, I remember you being the treasurer. Like this place is miracle. I have no idea how this place keeps afloat, but it does. God keeps well, that, bringing in all I, this money. I was I was only treasurer for six months because I remember going back to you, going, "I am not going to do this because I know how much money some of these people make, and I see what they're giving. I'm like, I hate this. I don't want to know this. I want yeah. nothing to do with this." Yeah, it was good, man. I remember telling some of the homeless people not to. I'm like, hey, hey, don't know. You just have to survive. They're like, hey, we want to give to God, man. And we were like yeah. real low key on giving. Like we we didn't ever 
mention it at first. And then I remember I had a church planner that I, um, that I trained and he taught me, he came back around and said, Hey, we just, during the song, our worship leader says, Hey, one of the ways that we're, we worship God here in addition to song is, uh, we give him out of, out of our, uh, possessions and abundance. And, uh, so we just want to encourage you to worship God with, with it. We're going to take an offering around, no pressure. Boom. It was like one line. I'm, I'm saying it wrong. It was literally one sentence like that. Okay. See, I, I think sentence. the churches that don't pass the bucket, I think you're actually cheating people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I really do think that there is a, a huge benefit to the person when you pass the bucket. Yeah. And give them the opportunity to, to show their worship that way as well. It, and it is keep in mind, cool. I'm a digital tither. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I understand that about me, but I'm just saying, I, I think you got to, I think there's something about passing the bucket that yeah. helps people. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Sorry. I didn't mean to take you totally off your subject, but no, it's fine, man. You know what? No, but it is. And this is what I was going to say is it wasn't about money. You cannot make it about money. And, and that's where, when people are saying it's hard, it's like, we've had this conversation a ton of times when people say it failed, it didn't fail. You were discipling people. You were doing what was on the label. You were fulfilling the great commission. It just didn't pay your bills. It didn't pay your way. And even to the point where it's like, okay, you know, this is what's so empowering about microchurch. All the stuff that works in the first century works now post-COVID. So so where I'm saying there's a shift, there has been a shift in that then a lot of the Christians that came before weren't. There was a drop-off. We lost a ton of people. And I think it's because church on the whole lost a lot of respect from people. Mm-hmm. I think people just realize like, oh, I was here for you. I wasn't you weren't here for me um I, I was here for you i was here to build your thing and i can i mean i could just watch online right like the I, i've never seen people move so fast to um to get that technology like streaming was a thing we were streaming way before i think we were yeah. streaming back in 2011 and um and I had mixed feelings. We just happened to have a professional a guy that owned a company, a streaming company. He says, Oh, I'll do that. Okay. Whatever. You know, I didn't care. Um, we never got tons of views off of it. We, it was never the thing. I didn't go, Hey, here's my sermon. You know, like I didn't use social media for that. And, um, and, and basically, uh, but man, did it shift? It shifted faster in COVID. The show must go on. And really, that's what it was. And I know I'm stepping on a lot of toes here, but church was seen to be a show. And I've had that criticism of church forever. The show must go on, and the show did go on. And when people saw that, they went, huh, the show must go on. You you had to run the show. Okay. It was kind of like the writer's strike, right? Like the, that was the church's equivalent of the writer's strike that's currently going on right now. You know, what? what can we still... Uh, what can we still get going? You know, how, how do we keep Hollywood propped up while the writer strikes going on? Okay. I, I don't know that analogy. I, I, I'm not following it at all, but that's okay. Well, it's just showing a collapse of, of an industry and the church at that point when it can't gather. I mean, it's the ecclesia, it's the gathering. Hmm. When it can't gather, what does it do? Well, 
you know, one of the things that, that we're really big on, in fact, I'm building this curriculum. I'm so excited about it. It's a discipleship curriculum. Uh, gathering is just part of it. Scattering is the other part. The church. Okay, so here, let me let, let me back up a second here, because how do you address then <clears throat> actually the COVID itself? Because last week on the podcast, you're like, oh, just live stream it. You know, because we were talking about the the super spreader movie. Yeah. And that was one of your comments. You're like, I just live stream it. Yeah. I mean, he didn't need to go do all that. He didn't need to go. And I'm like, but so where's the line? At what point do we go? Let's live stream. At what point do we go? No, we are the church. We are supposed to gather. We can't, like you said on this episode, you know, we got to do our spiritual gifts. And the only way we can do that is if we're around other people and you can't do that online. Well, you you can still be around other people. Maybe you don't need to gather. I, I still stand by both statements. I don't see a contradiction in them because when when you have what he was doing was <clears throat> gathering to say, hey, you can't tell us we can't gather. Right. And, Which in some ways, like that's a whole nother issue. And yeah. I I understand his stance on that, but yeah. let's just focus on Yeah. So what at what point do we do? go? Look, we got to go live stream, and at what point do we go? But that's not actually the church. The church is a gathering. Okay. So so here's the thing: when the church can't gather, the church must scatter, and that's that's Acts. You know, uh, when Saul comes and persecutes, and it literally says in Acts that everyone except for uh, the apostles left Jerusalem. The apostles are the only ones that stay in Jerusalem. So there's the 12, you know, looking at each other like, well, it's back to us again. And everybody goes up to Judea, Samaria. That's where you see Philip heading up. The Ethiopian happens, you know, the Antioch gets planted. Um, other stuff is taking place. A church learns to scatter in Acts chapter 7, 8, 9. And so when you see that, you're like, oh, so the church can't always gather, but it can scatter. So gathering on mission and scattering on mission. I believe that the church, rather than the church trying to claw like, gather, 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 wait, gather online, gather digitally. I had no problem with the church gathering digitally, but if I were at that time planting and I was not, I think I would have used my my online stream to see that vision. Hey guys, you can still scatter. You're still encountering people. You can minister to people. There are things you can do, you know, like when you would see what people were doing in their neighborhood to bless their neighborhood, or, you know, there was all kinds of things that were happening. That was the church's time to scatter on mission and to do that extremely well. What we defaulted back to was, no, 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 we're going to gather in the face of when everybody felt when everybody felt like, well, wait, but you're putting us in danger. Church, like, yeah, you know what? Screw you. We're going to gather because that's what we do. That's all we know how to do. <laughs> well, I think part of the problem is the church has not taught people how to scatter. I mean, like you talked about, the church is a big show, right? You know, we got the music. And if if you, you got a happening church, you got the band, right? You got the... <laughs> Got the caged up drummer who's in his little cage back there on stage, you know, because that's what we do. And then you got the guy who goes up there and, you know, delivers his his monologue and then we all leave. 
so the church today is not a church of mission. It's a church of consumption. Yeah. So and, I don't think anyone funny. was prepared for how do I scatter? How do I? Because you're right. I was thinking back to I, I don't think this was our neighborhood, though I could be wrong. I just remember hearing about this. Somebody decided to have like a a, a barbecue. And they told all their neighbors and everyone moved their barbecues to their front lawn as opposed to their backyards. And everyone stayed in their, <laughs> their own little front lawn and like right. would talk to their neighbor across the street or whatever. I mean, now Jamie and I would have been like, whatever, dude, we're just going to go over and hang out with our neighbor. <laughs> that was our stance on it. Well, but, you know, and there was different rules all over the place. Like, oh, you can have a gathering of no. Yeah, more we than broke eight. the rules. That's why I keep reposting all my pictures of me at the beach. <laughs> yeah. We were it, deliberately it was, breaking rules. It was all over the place. I mean, we remember, you know, it was like suddenly riots would happen. They'd be like, no, 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 this is okay. This is socially acceptable. And, yes. and you're like, wait a second, but the virus doesn't care why you're doing it, right? Like the virus just spreads when a bunch of people get together and everybody had their different. And what I'm saying is, you know, like, like kind of like the rights, I, I hate to use this as an analogy, but that was pent up, uh, you know, cabin fever that exploded. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, 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 you know, frustration over race stuff for sure. Like with George Floyd, like not demeaning that in any way or, or saying that didn't, that wasn't it. That that was the that was the spark that ignited the powder keg. But there was a powder keg of basically you have not let us outside for months, and something's got to give. And it gave, and it gave big time. And you know, cities got burned, and and that's there's a there's a a song in Britain uh, by a band. It's filled with expletives. So please, if you got kids in the car, don't put this on afterwards. But it's a band called The Streets. It's like a British uh, rap and hip hop, you know, uh, drum and bass band. But he says geezers need excitement. If their lives don't provide them, they seek it out through violence. And then he says common sense, simple common sense. And that's exactly what happened. You know, um, we 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 got this cabin fever and it made us worse. And we were talking about solitary confinement a couple of weeks ago, that that actually makes mm. prisoners more yep. aggressive. It didn't calm them down. It makes you worse. So uh, they started putting limits on that and it's actually not used as it's used as last resort. So when you see all that, you're like, okay, all right. You know, so in, in a way, wouldn't it have been cool if the church was able to say, Hey, we got our own cabin fever now. We can't gather. Let's scatter with vigor. Let's do stuff we've never. Now's our chance. How can I use this energy in this time? But like you said, the problem is it's the average everyday believer has not been activating their gifts. That should have been the time for us to be leaning into what are your gifts and how can you go out in the world and serve now? Because you can scatter on mission with your spiritual gifts at all times. And in fact, when we gather together, that's like the huddle, man. And then when that whistle blows, boom, you know, it's time to play the game out there. You know, the huddle lasts how much, what percentage of a game? Less than 1% of the game, you know? So that's that's kind of the, that's kind of my take. this one church that I went to as a high schooler. They had a sign over the door as you would leave. And it said, now the service begins. <laughs> Yeah, that was a great line. That's a great line, and yeah. and and this is like old hat. Like I know those of you listening, you're like, yeah, but 
Why is it harder? Again, you're tired. And, and I know you're ble- breathing, all you listeners, you're breathing in collective, so I am. And I'm saying that I'm tired because I want you to know that's normal right now. That is the new normal. We have not mentally recovered from COVID yet. I haven't. Um, the things in my life, like it, it took a toll and I, I think it's taken a toll on our people and it's okay. Like I, I was talking to a church planner yesterday <laughs> and we were talking about his team and, and I just said, well, I got bad news. Your team's screwed. And he's like, ah, oh. and I'm like, I, I can't put it any other way to you other than your team's just, they're, they're stymied and you Right now, your business, your one business is to care for that team. They're not going to be able to do a lot right now with anyone else because they are so broken and busted up. And that's part of leading a team. Leading a team means you serve that team. You got to pour into them. You got to be like Jesus now to your team. And, and so for those of you that are like, why is it harder? It's harder because you have in your mind this thing that you're trying to get to. And that's where I find the micro church model is so freeing for people. Once I entered the mainstream, if you go back and listen to our podcast, that's the stuff we were talking about ages ago. Like when we were talking about cogs and missional cogs, communities of grace, we didn't have that name micro church, but we were taking the pressure off of you because it's gift driven ministry. Every book I've ever read has this. I mean, every book I've ever wrote, all of them, all three of them have a gift-driven ministry aspect because that is the secret to church planning. But the reason it's harder right now is it's not about mobilizing them and their gifts in the same way, whereas that was everything before. It's actually about, are you okay? We're going to get to the gift-driven stuff. We will. Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Most of your team is not okay right now. And I'm, I'm not okay. All of us aren't okay. And that's good, you know, because soul care is the mission. That means that we have to lean into slightly, uh, soul care as, as it, we have to slow down, right? We, we gotta, I mean, Jesus slows his disciples down for three and a half years. Then he tells them go, but wait for 10 days. I really depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. This is that time right now, right? Revival could hit overnight. Revival could hit in the next freaking six months. Get on your faces together. Pray. Pray into that weakness. Lean into it. When you are weak, he is strong. Don't let that be a problem. Don't don't make it this thing you got to fix or fight or work against. Lean into it right now. And I really, guys, I for those of you listening, I actually feel this is prophetic. This is the time to draw near to God, right? This is the time. We we talked about um, Jesus' revolution. It was a small handful of like teenagers and Chuck Smith and Kay Smith and his kids and, a, and, a, and enough teenagers to just fit in their living room. It just kept seeking God and pouring themselves out to God. This is that time, right? What follows next? You know, we got a little glimpse over in, uh, and I know some people are really critical of it, but Something was happening over in, um, what was the, the name of it? Yeah. Asbury. What was the name of that place? Asbury. Yeah. Asbury Seminary. Um, something was happening there. Something was stirring. And it, it, that's a little glimpse. You know, it's, it might just be the cloud the size of a man's hand, but, but keep praying, you know, and it's, it's going to break. James says, keep praying, keep praying those prayers, man. 
Keep having faith. Don't give up. Keep praying persistently. Let's ask God to move because our, our yeah. society is ripe for that right now. We just watched the, uh, the Frisbee documentary that you mentioned. <clears throat> oh my gosh. Don't even get me started. I, I won't because I know we're at the end of our time, but I'll <laughs> say this. The, the thing that I really, really liked about that documentary is when they get to the end and they start talking about all the issues that Lonnie Frisbee had. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. I mean, he had some deep issues that yeah. most of us would be like, mm, yeah. that's a, that's a, but you saw how God used him with those deep issues. And I'm like, wow. And he was transparent about it. He I was, mean, he wasn't lying about it. People would ask, he'd tell him. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, God still used him. I was like, honestly, that to me, I was like blown away by that. I'm like, okay. I realize I'm a dirtbag, but God can use me. <laughs> I mean, you that know. is who God uses. He just has to to convince us a lot that we are the dirtbags that we feared we were. I, I don't. I don't think He's got to convince me of that. <laughs> I literally have it <laughs> tattooed on my arm. I say to Yahweh, "You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you." <laughs> Amen. Like, Amen. What a verse to tattoo on your body. I just put things like Snake Eyes, Ninja Clan, and. You know, and Lord, Lord of the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, whatever it is, Lord of the Hobbit, <laughs> Lord of the Hobbit. That should be his next one. Come on, bring him back, bring him back to life. Halfling of the Rings. I, I, I like Halfling style, of Mitchell. the Rings. I love it. Well, hey, uh, guys, that's about all that we have time for today. So, Pete, you go first this time. I'm okay. Kind. I made my money the old fashioned way. I got run over by a lecture. Oh, I love that one. I love that one. All right, guys, here we go. Hey there, bivocational pastors. Are you tired of spinning your wheels, trying to juggle your church duties and provide for your family? Well, hold on tight because I've got some game-changing news for you. It's time to unveil missionbybusiness.com, the holy grail of training programs crafted exclusively for bivocational pastors like you. We get it. Your time is sacred and you deserve a money-making solution that won't suck up every minute of your day. In just nine short weeks, you'll become a powerhouse armed with the secrets to launch your own business using the mind-blowing force of artificial intelligence. Yep, AI is going to be your secret weapon. Now it's time to stop dreaming and start acting. Head over to missionbybusiness.com and feast your eyes on our masterclass video, which covers everything in much more detail. It's time to build a business that fuels your dreams, supports your church, and provides for your family. Don't wait another moment. Seize this opportunity with both hands. Head on over to missionbybusiness.com now. All right. Well, hey, as you guys are listening to uh, that and thinking, yeah, um, I I need me some more Pete Mitchell in, in in my life. Just remember, you might need some more PJ, some some PM and PJ. That sounds like a sandwich, but you, I don't know what I'm. I doing need here. more pajamas. This is, this, I like turtles. This is like this is like back when we used to to do the ad for uh, uh, Mogiv. Yeah, no, not Mogiv. Um, it was like our segues that were so bad into uh, uh, church, simplified church, church. Oh, simplified simplified. church. oh yeah, I forgot about so, them. I know. So, uh, guys, uh, I'm, I'm, I mentioned you earlier today that I'm doing um, uh, a discipleship course. There are four different uh, sections. Actually, first one's on character because when it has to do with. Uh, um, you know, discipleship 
discipleship is all about character transformation. And our first one's called Ancient Pathways. Subtitle is Discovering the Character of God to Transform Your Own. If you guys want to go check that out, it starts out in September. It's online. It's going to be a cohort. We've got one uh, that's going to be for global audience, be people from all over the world in that one. Um, so that one will be morning time, America, America, you know, Pacific, Eastern Standard. But then we've got one towards the evening uh, for all of the Bible planners. Um, they're like, dude, I'm in work. You know, like, what up? So we got that. You can head on over to Newbreed training.com slash cohorts. There you can see also our church plantology cohort or the ancient pathways. Those are the two that we're going to start offering in September. So I want to encourage you if you can afford it. Great. If you can't, don't let the price uh, be a barrier, you know, just reach out to us. Tell us, tell us your situation. Let us know. We'd rather have you in it than out of it. So, uh, all right, guys, that's it. Um, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. And uh, Pete, sign us out. Reminding you that if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.